0: Hello everyone, this is Shireen Gentry with the Identity Unveiled podcast. Today's podcast is entitled, How Do You Channel Disappointments? If you are listening to my podcast, you will know that the last one was in fact um, about disappointments. Do they dissonate or do they detonate? And the point of that is that a disappointment in any shape or form, is going to come to all of us in life. It's just part of being on this planet. It happens. And so how you think about that disappointment, how you interpret it, is the the pivotal point of whether or not you're able to walk forward into the future confidently and with assurance as a son or daughter of the King of Kings. So how you think, how you interpret it isn't crucial. And I mentioned that many times a disappointment will come, but it blows up. It becomes something more than it should. Um, it takes on more meaning than it should in that maybe we take that disappointment and then we interpret that um, to be failure, um, um, uh, failure, not good enough, um, You know, and in today's culture where there are so many messages about performance and about who you should be, we've got to be very, very careful what happens with our disappointments and how we interpret that disappointment. Um, So we want to keep that disappointment down to size and not let it mushroom into something that it was never meant to be. So today I'm talking about how you act. Out or act from those disappointments because you will you're going to do something with it while you're interpreting that disappointment you're also going to take that disappointment and live your life from it if you haven't kept it down to size if you've allowed it to mushroom you're going to act on it and live your life from it and I'll explain a little bit about that if you have not already headed over to Amazon to buy my book I would love for you to do that. I think it's still $10. I would love for you to buy it and keep it as a reference tool for you to refer to when life disappointments come your way. Uh, This book is not just about me. There are common denominators, common threads in my life story, and I think in many people's life story, so that the message for the reader is one of hope. And so I would love for you to do that get together virtually or together with a small group and talk about the life coaching questions that I put forth in the book. I think you'll have some amazing discussion um, and uh, it'll be a tool for you to really encourage each other and your friends um, as you read together. As you know, in the summer of 2017, I went back through the paper trail of my family of origin. The goal was for me to get into the mindset of my mom and my grandmother specifically to see what they thought about men. Um, And the reason I say that is because only going back two generations, not including my own, um, some of this is verbal information. I don't have concrete proof, but it appears that just going back two generations there were 15 marriages um, in my family. So I inherited a very unhealthy view of marriage, a very unhealthy view of men, and I wanted to see if the paper trail gave any clues or hints to all that. Um, But what I found was so much deeper, um, and it, it really spoke to how my family of origin dealt with their own disappointments. And what happened was, the paper trail presented patterns. They presented patterns for my family, for my mother, my grandmother, my father, um, and the patterns of pain and how each of them specifically dealt with it. On page 51, I talk about DNA defaults. Specifically, what I'm referring to is when you get upset, when you have a crisis, when you have a disappointment, when you have pain, what do you attach to? That's the point. What in your DNA or maybe what you've already discovered about yourself when when you're disappointed in life? It's how you deal with act on your disappointments, whether they're large or small. And you do, you tend to do what comes naturally for you. So the first life coaching question that I wanted to ask you today is what do you default to? What do you default to? Now, keep in mind, if something threatens your worth and your value, you're going to attach to something or someone that you think will offer proof of your worth and your value and your validity. Okay, so what do you default to? We'll talk more about that in a minute. What comes easy? Uh, For me, I growing up, I was not able to, for whatever reason, express my disappointment. So I, be, I became very good at a very young age, very young age. My memories of four take me back to some disappointment and pain, um, the memories that aren't even in my book. Um, but I learned how to deal with it by stuffing my emotions by not really admitting what I was thinking or feeling and just stuffing it. And that became a pattern that lasted in well into my adulthood, into my early 40s. All right, so the great news is you can unlearn some of those patterns. But what comes easy for you? Is it to um, suppress your feelings or repress your feelings? Um, is it anger? You know, is that how you deal with your disappointment? what tends to be your way of handling or acting out on your disappointment and again it's what you think works for you but it doesn't all right so for myself um i've already mentioned stuffing my emotions and then in school um what i did was i really allowed my my grades in school to be my identity um, I, I just put all my eggs in, in that one basket and it wasn't like I was the smartest person in the class because I wasn't. But I still leaned heavily on the good grades that I made and I found my worth and my value and my identity and what I was able to do. All right. Now, I mention all this in my book. My mom defaulted to young men. Um, she was an attractive teenage girl. She found out that that's In her perception was what worked. I do know along the line that her her father disappointed her in a major way uh, by not showing up. Um, My mom's parents were divorced. And in the 1930s, that was really unheard of. Um, There were postcards in my grandmother's possession that my mom's father had actually written to my mom that I think my grandmother intercepted and never let my mom read so I think that growing up my mom just had this perception that her dad just wasn't going to communicate with her um, wasn't going to talk to her Um, there were cards that he had written I'm sorry I couldn't come visit there was always an excuse to not show up this continued to be a perpetual pattern of pain for my mom so uh, my grandmother did remarry that wasn't a good situation you can read about it in my book. Um, but there was no love loss between my mom and her stepfather. And now I know why. But mom defaulted to what seemed to work for her. And I said, seemed to work for her. She was beautiful. And she had many young men courting her. Um, even after World War II started, I still have in my possession Letters that these soldiers in war wrote to her back home. Why she kept them all, I don't know. Um, But I'll just leave it at that. Um, Now, my grandmother um, defaulted to legalistic practices. She had a lot of pain in her life that was really unresolved. So for her, her actions, her behaviors um, to find worth and value was simply to just throw herself into um, keeping all the rules, being at church every time the door opened. Now keep in mind, freedom in Christ and freedom from the law means that if you're not able to keep the law, there's no condemnation. Well, that's not how my grandmother lived. Um, She was very hard on herself, I think, in that respect. Now my father, he coped with life disappointments, and they came early for him, too. He lost his mother at a young age. Um, he was in World War Two. He had been married before. That marriage didn't work out. He had a daughter by, that, by the first marriage. Um, but after he married my mom, he defaulted to a pattern of behavior that was uh, prominent in his family of origin. That's how he coped with disappointment. He just learned to escape. And so for years that became his particular pattern. I often wonder too, that he had such a stellar military career. I wonder if he also defaulted to his work, which that can certainly be a way of handling disappointment. You just throw yourself into work and a career. Um, And he did climb the ranks. Uh, He was a full bird colonel by the time he retired. But here's the point. Um, if you don't handle your pain with truth, it will hook you with a lie. Let me repeat that. If you don't handle your pain with truth, it will hook you with a lie. So again, go back and listen to my, my last podcast on disappointment, and I speak a little bit more specifically about how you interpret that, but that is so true. You've got to know what you're thinking and how you're perceiving that disappointment. The truth of who God says you are that is in direct opposition of what your experience is. And y'all, this takes work because by default, we're going to interpret that disappointment in an unhealthy way if we don't watch how we think watch how we interpret it, and we have to be very intentional not to let that disappointment become something other than the experience itself. So again, how you handle your disappointment is you've got to be careful about the takeaway or message you get from someone who has maybe hurt you, all right, and then the lie that your experience is your identity. Uh, In my book on pages 82 and 83, I give all kinds of examples about uh, life and about things that actually occur in people's lives. Uh, First of all, grief is not your identity. If you've lost someone and you kind of feel lost um, in terms of who are you, um, I had a coaching client several years ago whose spouse had passed away and they came to me. And the first question they asked was, who am I? They didn't even know who they were. Um, But grief, the loss, is not your identity. Yes, it's painful, but it is not meant to define you. These experiences are not meant to define you. Now, some of you may or may not like this next statement. Your children are not your identity. Whether they're small, whether they're still in the home, or whether they're your adult children. Your children are not your identity. Now, you're identified together probably because of the of a common name, but they are not your identity. And understand, um, you can probably see this with people. Uh, it's okay. Uh, you know, social media is a blessing and a curse. But when there's just this long... Um, prideful thing about specific accomplishments of you know, someone's kids that goes on and on and on and on and on. That's pretty much a red clue that your kids have become your identity. Okay? Um, it's not what they do well and it's not the bad choices they make. Neither one are your identity. Okay? Um... Performance is not your identity. Your grades are not your identity. Um, and so the question to ask is: Well, um, if you didn't do well in a particular work category, project, class, if you're a student, then if you don't do well, then it actually becomes a threat to who you are. If that thing, if that performance, if those grades or that career, or whatever it is, defines you and then you don't measure up, then it becomes a severe threat to who you are rather than it just being um, a a test that you didn't do well on or a project that, you know, maybe you could have done better. Um, Abuse is not your identity. okay. Um, there are so many people out there on social media, and they it's amazing to watch it because it seems like there are all kinds of these young ladies out there today. It's fine to have a platform if you've been abused of some kind, but I really get the sense that they are kind of living in this identity. They don't want to let it go, um, and that pains me, right? So there are... In a in a strange way, their victimhood they think is working for them um, and gives them a a, a purpose um, in the moment. Now it's one thing to use your life story and your experiences to help other people, um, but I I sincerely wonder the the perception I get it, that these women are so stuck in their abuse that they seem to be getting what we call some secondary gains from it. Like something is uh, benefiting them um, in a strange kind of way that allows them to stay stuck and live from, it appears, as abuse being their identity. Sins of the past are not your identity, okay? Sins of the past are not your identity, Um, So, these are just some examples that I list on pages 82 and 83. So, disappointments are going to be part of our backstory. Uh, The second part of my book is called Change the Story. And in this section of my book, I talk about, do you need to make some swaps? Some swaps. We have to exchange one thing for another. So, first of all, again, going back to your thought life, Choosing the thought, the belief that is grounded in who God says you are, separate and apart from what has happened to you. So you're you're actually exchanging some negative labels that you have for yourself with the positive labels of who God says you are. If you need a list, it's in my book um, right around pages 84, 85. So you may need to exchange negative labels for positive labels. And yes, you can do this. Um, you can start looking at yourself differently um, rather than what has happened to you or been done to you or maybe even what you've done. Secondly, you need to exchange your incorrect belief of God. I was on Twitter yesterday and some young ladies right off the bat said, "Um, I know I have an incorrect belief about God. Well, you know what? I think that's great that she recognizes that. A lot of people don't even question that. Um, They don't challenge it. They don't look for evidence in scripture to prove otherwise. They just believe that uh, lots of times when you're walking in the wrong identity, you have a very wrong belief about who God is in your life and who he is to you in your circumstances. I talk about that even in my book. Um, So you've got to exchange the negative labels for positive labels. You've got to exchange your incorrect belief of God. You've got to exchange your wrong perceptions of who God is and who you are. Doing the hard work allows you to move into the future with freedom. Um, So today, um, I want to ask you, what exchanges do you need to make if you haven't already? Now, this is a little sidebar, but one thing that I do want you to understand is just to take an honest look at your life, especially if you've got some addictions going on. I really want you to, to take some time. And if you do have addictive behavior, please seek out a therapist. Um, keep in mind that can be shopping, eating, um, inappropriate relationships, substance abuse, um, the, um really, even gaming these days, um, that can be a default for handling disappointment or pain. But a lot of times, not always, but a lot of times, we have life, there's change, there's stress of some kind. And if we're not careful, it can lead to compulsive behavior, um, which then can lead to... Um, Active self destructive behavior in the forms of addictions. So I encourage you to think about that in your own life and see what exchanges you need to make. Please reach out to me at my email, hopeunveiled at gmail. I'd love to hear from you. Um, and think about what you do in your own life when you are disappointed. Let me encourage you also that as I wrap this up, we normally don't default to leaning into God. I know I didn't. I knew all about God, and I was in an environment growing up with my grandmother where I was at a Christian school, went to church, as you know, every time the doors were open, I knew all about God. I just felt like He wasn't um, in the details of my own life. So, number one, please take a step toward God, whatever that looks like for you. It could be just maybe praying for the first time. Maybe it means opening up the Bible and just looking with open eyes and inquisitive eyes uh, to allow him to speak to your heart and mind. Um, So lean in and take a step toward God. Lean in and take a step toward any exchanges in your own life, especially if you're interpreting life incorrectly, which puts you emotionally in a bad place, or if you're acting out in inappropriate ways. Um, Unhealthy ways of coping is what these behaviors are, or they can be positive things, which become your identity, and then that's not healthy, right? So a work and a career... There's nothing really wrong with that, or good grades, nothing really wrong with that, unless you tend to value who you are as a person by that, okay? So take a look at your own life. Where are you leaning in? What exchanges or swaps do you need to make for changing that behavior and that track you're on? Until next time, God bless you. And again, please reach out to me at Hope Unveiled at Gmail if I can help you or pray for you in any way. Until next time, this is Shireen Gentry with the Identity Unveiled podcast.